It's April, and with the warmer temperatures and the reawakening of the fields, many of us are in a spirit of Earth Day celebrations. For some, this is their state of mind every day, having dedicated their lives and careers to protecting the Earth. The people at the Earth Island Institute are some of those dedicated people, and that organization is our focus in this hour, as our celebration of Earth Day. Earth Island Institute. Every day is Earth Day. Here today on An Organic Conversation. Your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. You know, I have never realized until I listened to your intro today, Helga, that Earth Day, the, the celebration day on the calendar, falls at this kind of critical point of the change from, you know, winter to spring. I mean, I, I officially spring starts about a month earlier, but this is really the time when everything is in full bloom and full abundance. I mean, we talked to Earl and we get an update on what's in season from the world of produce on a weekly basis. And we know things are springing up, if you pardon the pun, but we see this also in grass and in flowers and in sunshine and in rain and all of these things. This is one of the most abundant times of the year. Or if you think about the calendar year, maybe the first most abundant time of the year. And it makes perfect sense that it's when we reflect on all of the great gifts of Mother Nature and we look at ways that we can give back so she continues to be bountiful. Yeah, I think you see it everywhere. Um, all the animals are out, you know, wild animals, uh, mating rituals. Like right now, Earth, really the Earth is exploding. Life is exploding. Everything is warming up. With the warming of the soil temperature, literally, that makes the seed germinate. That creates the soil bacteria to kick back in. It stimulates growth, grass for deer. So everything is about, yes, life super vibrant. My birthday is in May and it was always that energy of life of, you know, way before summer still, but definitely not winter anymore. Well, and I'm I'm really looking forward to this interview because Earth Island Institute, which they've been around for some time and they have done such an extraordinary work at, at furthering initiatives of sustainability, social responsibility, animal and human welfare. What I appreciate so much is this broad spectrum approach to improving relationships with Mother Nature and creating a healthier planet. And to speak with the guests that we have today to look at not just the ways that they support those initiatives, but the people around the world who are coming up with such intelligent ways to protect the planet and engage people in more sustainable thinking so that, just like you said, Earth Day is every day. It's, it's very inspiring. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. 
season. I think it's the perfect time to think about like resetting your kind of um, Earth Day resolutions. You know, if if the start of your Earth Day year or Earth Day resolutions is every <laughs> year around this time, on it happens to be April twenty second yes. this year. But um, what a wonderful way to renew your commitment. And it is about the Earth Island Institute in this hour, but really standing in for hundreds, if not thousands, of nonprofit organizations or even pro-profit organizations who at their heart of hearts care about the planet and are completely dedicated and, and exist because of that. Um, from, you know, Marin Organic, the Trust for Public Land, Water Keepers Alliance. I mean, there, there are so many, some Greenpeace, some of them you really know, and they have gotten a lot of media attention, and the, those names are known, and yet there are thousands that we don't hear about. Earth Island Institute is one of those more known, better known organizations, but um, also not on everyone's mind, I'm certain, and yet such good work of so many dedicated people for, yeah, as you said, that amount of time already around for decades. So about that organization and uh, really honoring on this Earth Day from our side the amazing work that tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people are, are waking up for every morning and go to work for um, with that care for the planet in their hearts and minds as a career for their lifetime. And that's our big thank you to that entire environmental movement. Earth Island Institute, every day is Earth Day, our focus in this hour here on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Hilberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back in just a second with so much more. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Earth Island Institute. Every day is Earth Day. Our focus in this hour here on An Organic Conversation as a thank you for Earth Day or on this Earth Day to celebrate the dedication of hundreds of thousands of people who walk to work every morning with a care for the planet in their minds and hearts as their career choice. In this case, we're talking about the Earth Island Institute. And with us now is Kevin Connolly, the Associate Director of the Earth Island Institute. That's earthisland.org. The Earth Island Institute, an environmental nonprofit founded in San Francisco in 1982 by the legendary environmental leader David Brower. Kevin, are you with us? 
Hi, Helga. Hi, great. Thank you so much for making time. Uh, I know the year is always busy, but I can imagine that with Earth Day this month and all the celebrations that you might be extra busy. Is there a fluctuation in your work through this time where everyone has Earth on their minds? Well, I appreciate you having me on your great show and the conversation. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know Earth Day week uh, that we're speaking, and uh, Earth Day month is all chock full of uh, opportunities to engage with people when they are reminded to think about uh, the Earth and our environment and our uh, stewardship care for it. So yeah, it's a, a great opportunity to uh, meet and engage folks through, uh, there's all sorts of events and activities going on this month. It's a, it's a busy time. Great. And yes, so we wanted to highlight the work, the amazing work that the Earth Island Institute does under your leadership as associate director and also really as a as a stand-in for the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people who have made this a career and life choice to protect the planet, just as you have. You have over 25 years of experience with Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area-based environmental and animal advocacy organizations. Uh, it seems like that there was there's no wavering that this is what you want to or are dedicating your life to. And can you talk just for a minute how you found that for you to be that important to make it a career and really give your entire life? Yeah, for me personally, I, I do. I feel blessed to be able to uh, to make this work uh, my career. Um, and, um, I, you know, I guess like a lot of people, just, you know, as a young person, I was uh, fortunate to have older brothers uh, who took me out on hikes and got to enjoy nature and, you know, appreciate experiencing that. But then as I got older and started looking around and seeing the various impacts uh, that we were having uh, on the earth and nature and wildlife and each other through what we're doing, environmental impacts, I really got concerned and motivated to uh, want to make a difference. And um, I, like I said, I've been blessed to be doing this work. I started uh, in my early 20s and uh, been doing it for over 25 years now. And I really found a, a great home here at Earth Island uh, Oh, 11 years now, because it's, uh, it's peopled with others who are passionate about the planet and about uh, uh, helping people enjoy, uh, but also all the things that uh, the planet gives us in terms of health and vitality and uh, even a spiritual dimension to it. So it's, it's great to be able to uh, do this work as my career, and I just feel lucky every day to, to be able to do it. Sure, and there's no better person to have on the show with us than you giving us really the perspective of how the movement has changed. We, I want to start with this conversation with really that question of where's the where's the environmental movement today from your perspective? If you look at your early 20s when you started 25 years ago, it seems like we have made great progress. It's in a different level of awareness around among society, and, and yet it is not the status quo that in the 70s we felt like we knew we had to come to in order to really save the planet. What is, what's working, what's not working? Where are we at? Yeah, that's a really you know, good question. I mean, uh, as a young person, I was at the advent of, you know, the contemporary environmental movement. Uh, the very first Earth Days in the early 70s was that sort of uh, call to awareness and, uh, you know, a lot of the landmark legislation uh, for turning things around uh, for the environment were passed in those early 70s, mm -hmm. Clean Air Act, Clean Water Act, the EPA was established. and DDT uh, you was know, banned, yeah. 
DDT was banned and, you know, the ethic of the time, it fit in with all of the great social change movements of the moment, uh, from, you know, feminism and women's rights to civil rights to the anti-war movement. And, you know, there was just really a lot of energy <laughs> on a, a lot of fronts uh, at that time period. But, mm. yeah, I think you're right when, you know, when I started my career in the late 80s, it was a, we had gone through a little bit of a change there and what people's attitudes or perspectives were. And uh, I think the movement itself was, you know, in a little bit of a, a transition point maybe then. But I think that, you know, the great thing that's happened is uh, these values that were espoused then that were sort of new and innovative have become part of the cultural mainstream. And there's so many uh, ways for people to be engaged, uh, not necessarily through a, a nonprofit advocacy organization, uh, the sector you, know, you were mentioning that does attract uh, a lot of folks and people working on a whole range of issues. But uh, I'd say, you know, that's the greatest thing now is uh, the diversity of the movement uh, and the issues it addresses, the people that are engaged with it, the ways to uh, make change happen have evolved from a classic sort of advocate for a regulation or, you know, work through a nonprofit sort of uh, petition your government kind of thing. And, uh, you know, you guys are really at the center of lifestyle and health and, and wellness is a, is a whole, you know, big uh, thread running through the contemporary movement now that yes. uh, all those kind of uh, streams came together, uh, like we were talking about in the early 70s, and, and now it just sort of blossoming and manifesting in different ways. And, and even, you know, on the corporate side, the business side, you know, there's more awareness, there's things like B Corps, which I believe you guys are, and uh, sustainability movement. And um, I think, you know, just 15, 20 years ago, if, uh, you know, we were on the early uh, edge of that here at Earth Island, of that there's different ways to uh, make change happen and by engaging in different constituencies, working together with people and community. So, you know, it's it's been really amazing uh, the arc of my career. Now, that said, you know, we're facing serious problems and we're, we seem to be, you know, refighting battles uh, often. And uh, one of the quotes of our founder, you know, you mentioned our visionary leader, David Brower, mm -hmm. was, you know, we need to constantly bring new people into the movement because, uh, you know, when uh, we win, we basically have a stay of execution, if you will. Uh, we protect the forest or we kept the river from being dammed. But if uh, the other side uh, gets their way, you know, the oil is spilled and the, the river's polluted. And uh, so we constantly need to bring new people into awareness and into the movement to, to be uh, defending uh, and advocating for um, for Earth and uh, the natural systems. Yeah, there's no real victory ever, right, that we will reach in that sense. Um, True, it's, uh, it's you know, some of the same issues that brought me to this. You know, we're yes. still, you know, we went through this whole arc of becoming aware of pending climate change and yes. went through a whole period of, the, you know, that being uh, battled back by the corporate polluters, uh, denialism and uh, and delay. And, uh, you know, we're just coming off a big uh, unprecedented international agreement. And, you know, there's still uh, awareness and, and work to be done on that. But You know, a lot of the same issues keep coming back uh, from time to time, uh, mm -hmm. again, from the you know, start of my career through now. But I, I think the general thrust is, is, is forward and, uh, and a widening, uh, you know, awareness in, of all things environmental. Yes. I think that's absolutely true. I, there's so much to celebrate about the momentum that has been gained, the intention that people are putting in to be mindful around living sustainably. And I, I want to take a minute to reflect on kind of the opposite side, like where there are still hesitations in getting proactive about our, our sustainability choices. And so my question to you is, what do you think holds people back from investing 
whether it's more time on a volunteer basis or in setting up systems at home that allow them to be sustainable, investing more energy and investing more resources in social and environmental change initiatives? Wow, that's a great question, Sita. Uh, you know, I'm a little spoiled from my vantage in that I am surrounded by people that uh, are motivated to to want to make a difference. You know, uh, individuals, grassroots leaders approach us uh, in our work at Earth Island to become affiliated with us and uh, be part of our you know fiscal sponsored network. And uh, and in our uh, youth serving work, we have uh, the top prize for emerging young environmental leaders in the Brower Youth Awards, uh, where we honor people uh, young leaders of today between the ages of 13 and 22. So I'm really spoiled that I'm, I'm working with people that have gone beyond even their personal commitments into wanting to take action and take on leadership roles. But um, your point's a good one. I mean, it's, uh, we're, we're all, I think we can all identify, it's, uh, there's lots of demands on our time and our attention. And, uh, you know, there's a whole range of reasons why we might uh, ourselves might be interested in wanting to dedicate more time and energy and resources into these things, but you know our day-to-day uh, reality of uh, supporting a, if you have a family or you know your job takes up a big uh, chunk of time. Uh, so I mean that does present challenges for those who uh, work in advocacy and and wanting to engage folks is you know meeting people where they are, uh, and that is a really exciting part of you know the movement you're part of and the lifestyles. You know, I'd see more awareness and people, easy things that they can do uh, themselves uh, as a start, as a baseline. Um, and then as, you know, they have fun and see an improvement in their health and their well-being and their vitality and their family, uh, that they take the next step. And that's kind of really what I engage with folks, you know, when I speak at uh, uh, Earth Day events, um, you know, how people could make a personal uh, choice and make a difference. Um, and then, you know, see how that, how that fits, how that, uh, how that works for you. And if you have time and resources, uh, do another thing and another thing. And before you know it, you're uh, an advocate and activist yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I really like the way you set up your response where you said, or you were talking about how fortunate you feel to work with so many motivated people. And I think that that may ultimately be what the heart of this question was for me is that what is it that motivates people into action? Because I do believe that a great majority of people care about these issues. So it's not that they are are not interested. It's that it comes down to that, like, what is the motivating factor that will get them to do something new if they find that they feel limited on time and energy and resources? And when you had said something about, you know, taking care of your family, this idea of you know, when, when Helga and I did the intro for the show, one of the things that we talked about is, you know, the show is Earth Island Institute, Earth Day is every day, and um, we we recognize that that's the case for you. But for some people, this is a time of year where it's like it's the first time that they're being reminded that they want to be active stewards of the planet and that it's a great time to make essentially a New Year's resolution, an Earth Day resolution. You renew your resolution and your commitment to being a steward of this planet on Earth Day, and then you just you know keep that resolution and how that might be something people could do as a family unit. I mean, if you have mm-hmm. your kids just pick one thing because everybody does care, like what's the one thing as a family that we can try and do this year? And you get enough kind of enrollment in your family unit. It does, as you say, kind of show the path to build upon healthier smarter habits over time. I love that idea. Yeah, it is It is an opportunity. You know, it's sort of a, a conceit that it's this day, and you're right, we, we like to say every day is Earth Day, and, and it, it really can be that if, uh, you know, you 
put your uh, values and uh, principles into, uh, you know, that awareness and then action. I think, you know, it's all a sort of uh, a phase or, or a cycle we all sort of, uh, we go through uh, ourselves as we uh, evolve uh, our understanding and awareness and uh, level of involvement. And uh, I think, you know, what you said is sort of being mindful and uh, uh, making a, even a plan to to do things uh, together and differently, and you know, young people uh, are actually the drivers of a lot of you know this. Uh, you know, they're engaged in school, and so they're reminded of it, and they often are uh, family motivators. I mean, just mm-hmm. having kids uh, today, uh, parents want to you know do what's right for them and best for their health and their happiness and well-being. So you know, that's driving people to look at. Uh, a whole range of, uh, you know, healthy lifestyle kind of things. And then young people, if we listen to them, are, are uh, expressing and telling us, you know, with great insights about, uh, you know, what they need, what their needs are and what their interests are. And, you know, it's it's their future. It's, uh, you know, we're borrowing uh, you know, the, the future uh, from them. And so it's, you know, our responsibility to help them along, but also uh, to listen and learn from uh, the new generation sure. because they're the ones that are going to be inheriting all of this. Yeah, it reminds me of a scene I had a few months back at a well-known natural retail store that is um, a national chain now where the daughter was yelling through the store he was her dad was getting artichokes and she said dad make sure they're organic (laughs) so (laughs) i think as a great example of for the new generation even through school lunches through you know field Mm -hmm. trips through uh, it is and organic food has such a huge ripple effect of course into so many other areas of of social environmental responsibility but you're right the the next generation is absolutely here and maybe already there where we had to come to Mm -hmm. that's where they're starting Um, yeah it's an exciting uh, if you think about the implications of that yeah yeah, really starting so far yeah (laughs) and doing things and you know there'll be unknown challenges as we move ahead that they're going to have to face and adaptation and you know uh, uh, just demands on all sort of the environment and resources Uh, for sure so uh, it's great that uh, you know at least they're getting nutrition now yes (laughs) well I think that kids really and kids not just young kids like kids of all ages really love to problem solve they find I mean they take that spirit of looking at something like a game and they apply it into something that they're really passionate about and you know we we have another wonderful example an example in common actually uh, one of our all-star favorite rerun shows we've ever done called Youth Activists, where we had Meredith Vorva and Rian and Tom Titian, who created something called Project Orangs, which was an Earth Island Institute-supported project. These two young young ladies in, in, I think maybe in elementary school or middle school at the time, were part of the Girl Scouts and had been um, instructed to come up with a project that was around social social welfare and environmentalism. And they were looking at the ingredients in the Girl Scout cookies they were selling, and they had chosen to support orangutans because they really loved this animal. And they saw in their research how these animals are losing their habitat because of all of the palm deforestation for palm oil. And then here is this ingredient showing up in this product that they are selling as part of their community action that they're doing as Girl Scouts. And they really created with your support a platform to get the Girl Scouts to reconsider the ingredients they were using and choose a more sustainable source. Well, I'm glad to hear you had uh, Rihanna and Maddie on. They are, <laughs> they are heroes of mine. Uh, they inspired me uh, through 
their work. And yeah, they were eight or nine years old when they began their advocacy. And by the time they were mid-teens, they were having a global impact uh, on <laughs> the sourcing and decisions of this you know, very large institution and raising awareness about the, the, the great, you know, greater issue of deforestation and palm oil in the orangutan. And it really just came out of that, you know, that organic experience of uh, they loved the orangutans and, uh, you know, had the stuffed dolls and they started, you know, inquisitive spirit, like you said, problem solving and, um, and went from there. And yeah, we do uh, celebrate that every year with our Brower Youth Awards. uh, And we're in the recruitment phase now through May. So if you know young leaders between the age of 13 and 22, send them our way. And uh, we honor and recognize them for, uh, you know, in some cases, they're very young when they start with their idea, and they're young achievers, and uh, they're innovating new ideas. And um, I always say we learn more uh, from them than we're actually, uh, I think, providing them, but uh, we try to uh, give them ongoing mentorship and support. And, you know, we have 97 past winners now from doing this for over 16 years. It's our 17th year coming up. And uh, they're not the leaders of tomorrow. They're the leaders of today. Many of uh, <laughs> folks, you know, I, like I met that. in high school are now, you know, in their early, uh, late 20s, early 30s, and they're leading uh, social change movements and organizations. And uh, it's really cool to have a small part in helping them. What a perfect. Along. Yes, what a perfect segue. to We want to hear way more about the very work that you do every day and um, direct at the Earth Island Institute. We'll take a quick break. We're speaking with Kevin Connolly, the Associate Director of the Earth Island Institute, really an institution in Berkeley that has shaped the environmental movement in the U.S. for many, many decades. Uh, earthisland.org, the website. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with more. This, of course, is An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Hilberg. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And today we are celebrating Earth Day here with a big thank you to all the people who have made protecting the environment and nature their entire career. And, and actually, Helga, yes. I want to make a quick correction because I said the names incorrectly of the two brilliant leaders, the women we just mentioned from Project Orangs. It's Madison Vorva and Rianne and Tom Titian. Not Meredith, Madison. Madison and Rhiannon. <laughs> um, and um, standing in that spotlight of gratitude from our side is the Earth Island Institute that we chose this year. And with us again is Kevin Connolly, the Associate Director 
Uh, Kevin, let's talk about your your programs directly. You talked about the Youth Award. You talked about or touched on um, the fiscal sponsorship that you do for many projects where the Earth Island Institute assumes fiscal responsibility and lets young leaders or really any project that is worthwhile run with it. They don't have to form their own nonprofit, but they can enjoy the Earth Island status as a nonprofit. What is the mission overall of the Earth Island Institute and um, what criteria do you use for, for projects that you choose? Yeah, you know, Earth Island is a, a, a unique uh, organizational model. Uh, you mentioned it's uh, termed as fiscal sponsorship, and really what we are is, um, you know, we're a hub for uh, grassroots uh, leaders uh, to apply their campaigns and uh, whatever their passion and expertise is uh, without having to worry about the bureaucracy of uh, running a nonprofit. Uh, we provide a range of support services, uh, Basically, we centralize the bureaucracy so they can uh, pursue their work and uh, their fundraising activities uh, with our support and, you know, and follow their, their uh, passions. Mm -hmm. And we take care of that stuff that most people don't want to, uh, the important stuff that uh, you have to do uh, to run a business, run an enterprise. Um, and uh, we give them a range of support services. You know, overall, our, our, uh, we frame what we're doing as we're growing environmental leadership. And um, it's all with the intent, uh, the mission to support the biological and cultural diversity that's uh, required to sustain a healthy, thriving planet and for the people. And um, we primarily are a fiscal sponsor. We currently support the work of 70 projects. Uh, since our founding in 1982, we've had nearly 150. So sometimes people will come to Earth Island and operate under our fiscal sponsorship. And in a way, we're an incubator for social entrepreneurs. And sometimes they you know, get their uh, own identity and they scale up and decide to spin off in that way and become successful projects of their own. In our history, we've had such notable organizations start under our umbrella, uh, including Rainforest Action Network and International Rivers, and uh, others have been with us for 30-plus uh, years, like our International Marine Mammal Project. We're probably most known for our whale and dolphin uh, protection work uh, at Earth Island. Uh, our Sacred Land Film Project has been with us for over 30 years. Uh, so uh, we you know, have a whole range of experience, and uh, we've been seeing a lot more uh, demand for our services in the last several years. Uh, we relocated to the David Brower Center in Berkeley uh, from San Francisco, where we were founded by David Brower. And uh, it's great to be in a LEED Platinum Green building, and there are other great environmental organizations here in the building with us, um, like Center for Eco-Literacy and Friends of the Earth. Uh, and uh, it's a great uh, meeting space, a hub for the environmental community here in the Bay Area. Uh, so in addition to providing support for the projects, we do public education um, efforts here at the center um, and through our quarterly publication, our Earth Island Journal. And as we talked about before the break, uh, we make a special investment in youth leadership. I think it's another unique aspect of Earth Island. Mm. I think uh, our movement and our side, you know, uh, it's, again, planning for the future. It's really coming from this founder's uh, notion that, you know, our, our victories are temporary and we need to, uh, to stay vigilant and keep uh, building uh, awareness in the movement. And so through our new leaders initiative, uh, we do that and honor uh, young emerging leaders um, with our Brower Youth Award and uh, other support programs. So we're, we're growing environmental leadership with emerging and experienced leaders nice. and um, really uh, 
that puts us really close to the to the grassroots, to the ground. Uh, and it's been interesting to look over our 30-plus year history, you know, what were sort of uh, the interests of the people that wanted to take action and do this work. I mentioned like Rainforest Action Network. Those were big issues in the 80s and still, of course, to this day. But you know, burst into international awareness then. And, yes. you know, we're seeing uh, a lot of young people now really interested in uh, food, food access, food justice, especially here in the Bay Area. Um, so we have a whole range of pretty much any issue. Um, if you went to our website at earthallen.org and looked at our project directory, you'll some of the names are just obvious as to what they're doing. And, uh, you know, it's a whole range of issues uh, and pretty much any environmental topic you could think of. And uh, we have a, a strong cohort of projects based here in the Bay Area doing their work right here in our community and others uh, are working around the country. And we're in about 70 countries around the world. Um, nice. <clears throat> Wonderful. This, this work you're doing, can, the value cannot, it cannot be overstated. I mean, there, there was an interesting piece. It was, in a, uh, it was an op-ed piece in the New York Times called Ideas Help No One on the Shelf, Take Them to the World. And that was one of the things they were talking about is that there is really no shortage of brilliant ideas to mitigate climate change or to bring help to people in Africa or all of these really smart solutions to make a better planet. But the biggest challenge is taking these ideas to market, to finding the way to actually implement them. And what you're doing, these two specific things that you identified, one being fiscal sponsorship and two being handling the bureaucracy and the administrative side of things. Um, it's just, it, it takes all of the brilliance of people who have their their hearts in the right place to create change and makes it possible. It facilitates these ideas into action. There's just, there's there's no way to, to put a, a value on that. It's incredible. Well, thank you. I appreciate your saying that and, and uh, seeing the, the value in what we do. It is a, it's a little bit of a complicated story to share, but those who get it really appreciate the, both from a funder perspective, those who want to invest in our work, and also uh, from the activist community, uh, just being able to avail themselves of this kind of support and service. And, you know, there's a, there's a whole other dimension to this, too, is that, you know, they're, they're People that are part of our project network are joining, uh, you know, a community of practice. Of, uh, you know, there's a lot of peer-to-peer yeah, uh, expertise. Work obvious, yeah, around maybe an issue they might mm-hmm. work together. And, and many sure. of our projects are actually also networks. So we have coalitions. And so we're supporting, you know, whole constituencies that are, you know, beyond just the specific project name that's on our list. And uh, and they're doing the similar kind of work out there uh, by working uh, collegially with other organizations or people within their networks. Uh, so that's really uh, been fantastic. Again, it's the strength in this sort of distributed uh, network of uh, organizations of which, you Know, we're a hub, but there's all these nodes out there where they're uh, engaging in their communities and with each other uh, within our community of Earth Island projects and uh, with the youth leaders too. It's a it's a great uh, you know pipeline for us. Some of them bring their projects to us that they've been honored for, and uh, others you know we've continued an affiliation with as they work at other organizations or build their own uh, independent work. Uh, so it really it, it's got this all these great sort of feedback loops, if you will, where we're learning and sharing and helping beyond sort of the direct kind of services we provide, uh, you know, managing people's payrolls and their bank accounts and uh, staying, you know, street legal, if you will, compliance uh, with, you know, the government entities that require all sure. these kind of things. So. Again, we're speaking with Kevin Connolly, the Associate Director of the Earth Island Institute, really giving the framework for emerging youth leaders to make their ideas real projects and successful 
here in the San Francisco Bay Area, throughout the country, and even around the world. And not even just youth leaders. I mean, all kinds of, you know, for people from all walks of life that are doing this great work. It's true, yeah. Thanks, Sita. I mean, we do talk about intergenerational sharing. You know, it's... it's, it's uh, it's teaching without telling, you know, and we want to listen and, and we want to have it be respectful dialogue because uh, uh, I think the challenges we're facing, uh, there's no one, uh, you know, one good idea. As you mentioned, there's a lot of great ideas out there. Uh, we try to focus on, uh, you know, uh, success. We like the, the visionaries, but uh, also the practical uh, reality of well, can they pull off what they are envisioning doing. And, you know, you ask, you know, how we uh, vet projects, how we look at, you know, uh, what a fit is for Earth Island. And, you know, that's a, that's a big part of, a, of uh, you know, how we evaluate folks is, uh, you know, the, we take risks on people. Um, some fiscal sponsors require a lot more experience or even money in hand. Uh, and we feel like if you have uh, the, uh, the vision and the passion for it and we think it's a good idea and a good fit for us, we're willing to, um, you know, take a take a chance, and those those kind of uh, investments, those bets, if you will, have paid off for us with uh, really great innovative leaders. Yeah, can you expand on that just a little bit more? It, you know, our our show is listened to in 134 countries, and if wow. there was a youth leader with a great idea about you know some improvement somewhere in the world listening to this I'm, I'm sure it's on earthisland.org the website explained but if you can you distill that of um, if you had advice to somebody who wanted who's thinking about approaching a nonprofit or maybe even the earth island institute with uh, his or her project what's the biggest advice you have for the project and for the person even more so uh, well, I think if you have an idea, I think it's true think in any kind of uh, venture that you might do is uh, don't wait, pursue it. If it's your passion, if it's something that's it's you see, you feel you have a unique uh, sense of how you can make a change happen for uh, the better. Um, uh, all hands on deck. You know, we need we need people that are uh, thinking and uh, also people that want to do. And um, you know, our youth program, the youth do work uh, internationally, as the example you provided, Maddie and, and Rian in, in uh, Indonesia. But uh, it really is for youth uh, based in North America. Presently, you know, we envision uh, having a, a youth uh, honoring recognition for international youth. Our projects, of course, uh, we do work internationally. We are. Uh, around the world, and we have you know different uh, uh, locuses of emphasis, um, and I, as I mentioned, that sort of have changed depending on the projects that are with us at any given time. But we, are, you know, we're we're open and ready for the conversation as people sort of think about. You know, we're we're seeing a lot more of this uh, around you know business sustainability too. Some people are thinking, is my venture a for profit uh, versus a non profit, which is a you know really a whole new notion in the last decade or so where there is even an opportunity yes. to make a social impact through, mm. uh, you know, conventional corporate approach. So, uh, you know, a lot of what we do in our uh, evaluating is, you know, just talking to people, uh, making clear what it is we provide, what we don't what we don't do, you know, what those parameters are. But also uh, we help a lot of people just sort of in that thinking stage about is this something that is viable and what context should I do it in? Is it a for-profit, sustainable business, B Corp kind of thing? Or is this really an advocacy, nonprofit, educational? Uh, and where can I uh, leverage change, uh, you know, best uh, with whatever that idea is? So we're seeing a lot more of that. Uh, so, of course, we have a lot more conversations than people that actually apply. And then uh, we have more than apply than, um, than uh, we bring aboard. And... Um, 
and you know we are sort of facing that our own internal sort of capacity issue and we're we're out there looking for support for this idea and notion too because uh, as we can uh, serve more projects but also enhance our service offer to the projects to help them be more successful you know we're always looking at ways of uh, doing that and innovating and and growing our organization as well so uh, i guess my one word of advice if you're interested and you have a passion for it uh, don't wait you know do it and explore all your options and if we're a fit for you you know we're we're happy to to help talk just like we need biological diversity we need cultural diversity you know the western perspective isn't the only way forward or solution and you know when we work internationally particularly we want to be mindful of that it is inspiring and i'm i'm way more hopeful i was hopeful before but i'm way more hopeful about the environmental movement um now having spoken with you Earth Island Institute. Every day is Earth Day in celebration of Earth Day this month and every day, hopefully. We dedicated this hour to uh, celebrating the Earth Island Institute on behalf of the environmental movement for its leadership. And with us, Kevin Connolly, who made time during these busy weeks. He's the associate director, earthisland.org. That's really true. I'm, I, I can hear your enthusiasm and positivity. We are out of time, but I do want to hear in like a minute or less, what is your take on the future of the earth? Like if you really from where you stand right now, it sounds like we'll figure this out. You have to remain hopeful. I mean, you know, the earth, the earth's going to be here, whether, and it's, it's really up to us how we choose to be here uh, together on this planet, or, you know, we're, we're not going to make it unless we all sort of do our part and whatever little bit that can be, as we discussed earlier, to getting more active and involved. Uh, but the time is now, and uh, we can turn things around and uh, have a, a healthy, thriving, sustainable future for everyone. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much, Kevin, for Thank joining you, us, for making the time in your schedule. I know this is um, not an exaggeration to say that these weeks, you're always busy, but these weeks, this is Earth Day and people are awake and aware, um, especially in, in April when the spring crops are coming back in, that yes, it's the Earth that's at stake. And um, thank you so much for your dedication and your career to this movement. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that, Helga. And thank you, Sita. We hope to have you back on again and talk more about the great work that you're doing. So we'll do it again soon. Okay, until then. Okay, <laughs> Take care. until then. Thanks Happy so much for joining us. You too. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye, Kevin. Kevin Connolly, Associate Director, Earth Island Institute, who joined us today from Berkeley, California. That's earthisland.org. We're moving from Earth Island Institute and all the things that all these amazing people are doing to things that many of us are doing every day, which is to eat organically. Here's the update from the world of healthy fruits and vegetable produce is our topic. And here is what's in season. And with us now, as always, as every week, the voice from the San Francisco Produce Dock from Earl's Organic, Mr. Earl Herrick himself. Earl, do we have you on the line? Hello. Yes, you do. You got me clear and bright. <laughs> clear and bright. Welcome to the show. Hello, Sita. Hi, Helga. Hi. It is Earth Day. It is summer, spring, warm temperatures. The earth is waking up. What's happening on the produce dock? What's popping every day? I'm sure a new mm. color is entering. Yeah. Uh, and it's only going to get 
more of an avalanche as we get into summer. <laughs> uh, we're right in this beautiful, beautiful time. I mean, if you've taken a drive lately, just gotten into the uh, interior of California and to the beautiful hills, and everything is just exploding. It, you know, we finally have green hills back, and the green is not just green, it's, it's iridescent. The beauty is does not rest just outside. I'm walking through one of my walk-ins the other day. It's a, it's a cold uh, box where we keep our berries. And I announced uh, to anybody around, this was the first perfect day of berries. We have blackberries, blueberries, raspberries, and strawberries. And, and that's not uncommon to have all, all four, but they were beautiful. They were in pristine shape. They were glossy and full color, and they were full of flavor. Granted, the, the raspberries were from Mexico, but everything else was Californian. And it was, it was a fantastic display of the present and how it's going to keep on going through the, through the season. What a wonderful tapestry. I can actually envision, I mean, I've been, I've been to the walk-ins at Earl's Organic Produce, and I know that they are colossal. They are big. They are pristine. And I can see all of these boxes and palettes of bright colors. And like you said, glossy, you know, how the that sheen yeah. from really plump and well hydrated berries, what they look like. And, and I also <laughs> know you came to the studio a few weeks ago with the most incredible blackberries at a oh, time yeah. when I felt like, it, I mean, we we're used to getting them in August and these were big, they were juicy, they were sweet. They were some of the best blackberries I've ever had. So I can only imagine how excited everybody must be at Earl's right now. It, you know, it is it is so great. I mean, it's, those are the those are those moments, and there's many of them which continue to inspire and remind you of why we're doing what we're doing. It's also been a great spring because we've had a fair amount of hydration. Um, when I say fair amount, it's really just normal, but we haven't had normal in what five years. Um, so it, it the produce is loving it, and we're back with the regular uh, interruptions that rain carries with it. And it's worth noting because rain really affects berries. And I'm, I want to focus mostly on strawberries. You sent us an interesting email in that regard with a photo of three different berries and the way yeah. they developed. And uh, we might want to put that up on Facebook, actually. Interesting. Uh, one is kind of pale, has a little bit white underbelly, like a little They're bit of, of white. Two, yeah, like, three, yeah, three strawberries. Yeah. Um, smaller, could be the variety, but it doesn't have the color, it doesn't have the rich redness to it, a uh, little pale. The next one, similar in size, fairly small, better coloring, but still like a lighter red, like a, yep. you know, like a lighter lipstick red. And then... Almost like an orange, like an orange red, like that pale orange red yeah, color. Yeah, which is mm -hmm. actually what Instead you see a lot in, in stores. And then there's this perfectly ripe, dark red, but not shriveled by any means. Um, usually if you see those in the store, they, are, they might have gone over already a little bit. This yeah. one is shiny and perky, and it's, it's still dark red. The calyx is completely expressed, that little green little, you know, crown. Fuzz crown, <laughs> yeah, fuzzy crown on top. That is an amazing strawberry. For a from a consumer point of view, you don't often find those perfect ones. They're either not quite ripe yet, or as I said, when they are that dark, they already had one or two days too long on the shelf. What do you do with those, or, or how yeah. can you make sure you find that they don't ripen on your counter anymore if you buy them not ripe enough, right? They have to be picked perfectly. Yeah, I, I, well, let me go back, and the reason I sent you this was really about what a grower does when he knows rain is, is imminent, mm. and, you know, the growers are, are fanatics about weather, sure. and, a, and a berry grower, when it rains, it affects it, so 
when he knows it's going to rain the next day or that day, he's going to go out into the field and pick these three stages, meaning a big, perfect, ripe one he's going to pick anyway, whether it's going to rain or not. That's the one he's picking, getting into the, into the box, shipping right away. Mm-hmm. The other two represent different stages of ripeness. As you notice, the color, but also the size. So they're the same variety. They're just a, a several days away from that full ripeness. But those two need to be picked because left on the plant as it rains, they're ripe enough that they're going to they're going to sustain damage. So you're saying they might be yummy, but they don't have quite the sugar yet. But they had to be harvested. It was not like. Yep trying to throw some immature product out. These are maybe a little early, a few days early, but in order to prevent the loss of that field, they had yep. to be harvested. Well, let me, let me yeah. further, you're right, further explanation mm-hmm. is those two are not going to be quite as yummy as that full ripe mm-hmm. because they're taken a little premature, but they will color up because those other two less ripe berries will be held back a day, and being held back one day, they will continue to respirate and gain some color, but they won't have the flavor of the other one. So it's, it's kind of a compromise for the grower going, I have this money into the, into the fruit. It's out there. It's not terrible. Yeah, it's not the perfect one, but it's going to be acceptable. So gotcha. that, and, it's, and so that's one thing to understand as a consumer when you're buying, when you see that smaller berry, when you see that lighter color, that's definitely parallels with what we've been saying all along. You want you want good size, full color fruit that's gonna that's gonna give you the flavor you're looking for. What can but, people what can people do at home with that? Like if, if they know this berry should have had five more days, it had to be picked because otherwise yeah. the farmer would have lost it. Um, can they yeah. can you leave it out for six hours or can you put it under a heat lamp? Like what is yeah. that? <laughs> because right. so many people have heat lamps in their kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have tan berries. Yeah. Um, well uh, first of all, you could probably leave it on your counter. Again, berries, like any fruit, if you can eat it at room temperature, is that much more flavorful. And to give this an opportunity mm-hmm. to create as much flavor as is best for it. You know, it really depends upon the individual. Some, you know, As we all know, you you and I, the three of us could be sitting tasting the same thing and we'll have different expressions of sweetness and sour and tart. So for some people, it's going to be fine. For other people, it may be a little less. So maybe you put that in with yogurt, with other fruit. Uh, maybe you don't eat it fresh. Maybe you put it with in a smoothie. Uh, it will give you a couple more days' life because it won't be quite that bursting with ripeness. Know that it's just not sure. going to be quite as wonderful as you may have wanted it to be. But I tell you, there's probably many, many people that might not even be able to tell the difference. But a fruit salad, maybe add some oh. honey if you wanted that. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Nothing you would maybe dip or, or even dip in chocolate if the chocolate is extra sweet, right? There you go. Or maybe that's the time you break out vanilla yogurt over plain yogurt. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, I like something, that. Right. Something like that. Great. Earth Day is coming and strawberries yes. are here. What mm-hmm. a wonderful week to have. And um, yeah, sounds like production is good. Look for the color and go to facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation for this photo. Also, earlsorganic.com to see what's really hitting the market and any kind of produce tip, how to pick it, how to yeah. store it, and um, where, where they at, you can find there. Again, earlsorganic.com or Facebook forward slash an organic conversation with that photo of the three berries and the three ripening stages and to know what to do with it. Great. <laughs> Thank you, Earl. Strawberries. Wow. Happy Earth Day to you. Yes, that's a perfect fruit to enjoy on Earth Day. And we'll talk with you next week.
Great. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Take care. Thanks, Earl. Bye. Good to hear your voice. <laughs> you, you too. too. Bye. Bye. Bye now. Well, happy Earth Day, everyone. May it be the first day of 365 days this year where you choose to be the best steward of the land that you can be. I'm very inspired and grateful to Kevin and to all of the listeners for inspiring me. And to every strawberry, whether it comes from Earl's Organic or not, happy Earth Day here from An Organic Conversation. Bye. We'll see you soon. Bye. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate Producer, Kristen Ponger. This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash an organic conversation thank you for your contribution an organic conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters earl's organic produce a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store home or business since 1988 the website is earlsorganic.com and also fry vineyards america's first certified organic winery producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye.